for those looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Hello, 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 Big Ed Idea podcast listeners. Hey, so thankful for you today. Um, I tell you what, it is April Fool's as I record this or as we record this, but um, I am not joking when I say this has been such a fun ride. And actually, um, this is actually the 20th episode. So my um, guest tonight, whether she knows it or not, like this is a really big deal that we got um, to the 20th episode. So, so stinking cool that I get to have this next guest um, join me today. Um, so I always like to say kind of what's going on with life before we get jumping into all of this. And so it is April Fool's right now. And uh, today was the last day prior to spring break. So we are super pumped. Uh, the family and I are heading down to Florida for the week. Um, my family has made me promise to leave work behind. Uh, so I've got some really good books that I'm going to be taking with me, uh, one professional and one for pleasure. But um, yeah, I'm super excited to be going and going on um, spring break. But before I did, I had to make sure I got this young lady recorded so that it could drop during spring break. Um, this lady and I actually met uh, previous it might have been even previous to COVID. Um, I have a really good friend from New Albany, Indiana. Her name is Megan Stoffer, and we know each other. Uh, she works for EF Foundation, which places exchange students um, in Southern Indiana. And my mom and dad do as well. So we kind of met through them. And then um, I was talking to Megan about this crazy idea I had um, for a nonprofit. And she said, hey, hold on. I got, a, I got, you, I got this lady. And you got to meet her because she is like the queen of nonprofits. And so um, luckily, I got to meet and I got introduced to this young lady. Her name is Reverend Susanna Jacobson. And uh, she also hails from New Albany, Indiana. And she is the executive director at Christian Formation Ministries. She is a mom and a wife. She has worked in nonprofits literally for years, but this is probably the coolest thing that I did not know um, until about five <laughs> minutes ago. She is a former circus performer. <laughs> and that is so stinking cool. Um, so without further ado, Miss uh, Susanna Jacobson, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Well, it is my pleasure, Ryan, and I have to say, I also have to give props to your um, voiceover for your, um, who did your introduction. I, was that your daughter, perhaps? Is that yeah. What I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Two, two of them, actually. I, uh, my Stella, who is nine, she does one of them, um, and then my oldest, Madison, who's 17, uh, she does the other one. We have, we've been kicking around letting my other two daughters um, but one is four and one is six. So, you know, I'm trying, yeah, they can't read yet. So it, whatever, but I'm going to do it, but thank you. Well, it, well, just let them know when they're ready for their internship with me, I will a hundred percent take them. I think they're higher. I can only feed them in goldfish though. I hope that they're okay uh, with that. I think that would work. I think that would absolutely work. <laughs> so, uh, I've got to tell you, I know, uh, 
your ministry does a lot of its work um, in Louisville, Kentucky. And I've got to tell you, I have a connection um, with Louisville um, during my wandering years, which I've talked about a little bit on on previous episodes. Um, so So after my freshman year of college, I was at Murray State. And I was pretty much lost, um, both spiritually, emotionally, um, emo- well, definitely emotionally. And <laughs> a group of friends and I actually moved to Bardstown and lived off of Bardstown Road, uh, right down the road from Ear Ecstasy, which, yes. um, yeah, which some of you guys may know what that is, but it's a like a, a super, um, I don't even know if they're there anymore, but it was a really cool record store. Um, and during, unfortunately they have, um, closed down, but the museum I used to work in, in downtown Louisville, the Frazier museum has the ear ecstasy sign, I believe Uh, in their display. So that part is safe. We know that for sure. I I love Louisville. It's, it's a great town. It's got a little bit of everything. I've got some really good friends there. So, um, I love what you're doing. So, you know, so let's kick this all off uh, by basically like what led you, um, what led you into, I guess, this nonprofit? Like, what's it about? What, you know, what do you do? Uh, what led you there? What the heck's going on? <laughs> yeah, what the heck's going on? <laughs> Love it. Well, um, well, Christian Formation Ministry has been around for about 16 years. We're celebrating our 16th anniversary this year. So that's very, very exciting. Um, yeah. So um, originally kind of our vision for the organization was to be a place of support for individuals who were um, in recovery, those who were recovering from substance addiction, um, coming out from the system, whether it be like local jail or a long-term Uh, prison facility. We just wanted to be there for these individuals. Uh, About five or six years ago, which is about the time I kind of um, got onto the scene, there was starting to be a change in conversation because we've started to recognize that um, as much as individual support is, is necessary, there wasn't a lot out there for kids, especially, or especially like around the idea of families. Um, you know, we would have people talk about, um, you know, I'm trying to go home and I'm trying to reconcile with my kids, but, you know, I'm trying to make all these changes. They haven't been a part of the process. Um, And then there's also just this understanding of like, there's a real frustration of, you know, I've gone through this change. Why isn't anyone giving me a second chance kind of like experience? So there's a real emotional response. Um, And then when I got on board, it was definitely this understanding of like kids, after such a big traumatic experience, they've hit all their adverse experiences during that time, um, they haven't really had that place to process yet. So that was a really number one goal for us, um, you know, when I started coming on board. Now for myself, um, so my father is actually the original hippie of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> I can say that for sure because he will tell age 16 like there are only two people smoking pot and he knew the other guy <laughs> so definitely hardcore you know if we watch Forrest Gump he will point out where he would be at all the protests kind of like so cool. yes uh, but he's been 40 years sober which is absolutely amazing that's an incredible achievement 
But one of the things I always tell people, it's like, I never saw my father uh, do drugs, never saw him drink alcohol, but I was there for his emotional recovery because once all of that, um, all the vices were gone, we had to deal with some really real issues. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of like where my personal identity and recovery comes from. It's just recognizing that, you know, you have to start facing things and you have to face it as a family. And I've been blessed that we've been a family who's recovered together. Um, I know there's a lot of other families not as lucky, but I want to get as many of them through that process as much as possible. Very, 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 number one, very admirable. Um, number two, uh, we kind of talked about this previous, but you are absolutely walking the gospel. Um, and, and, you know, I may have some folks out there that, you know, aren't, believers and that's totally okay but um in my opinion you are living out exactly um <laughs> like i don't know you know i have the saying you know um preach the gospel but not by your words and i would mm -hmm. say you are absolutely um doing that so thank you very much i appreciate that well, i appreciate it thank you <laughs> yeah. Um, so when my wife and I first got married, we had the honor, we worked with a organization, you may know it, Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Yeah. We, um, because, you know, I, I can say this, I was a former um, idiot um, that did a lot of <laughs> dumb stuff. Um, and she at the time was working with our local uh, juvenile drug court as a social worker. So we volunteered for five years and she worked with the teenage girls and I worked with the teenage boys. And it was, um, I'll be honest, it was life-changing. So I can't imagine mm -hmm. like you get to go to work every day and you get to change lives and, you know, you see God winks every single day. So it's just awesome, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so we are going to get rolling with uh, my, one of my favorite segments. Not that I don't like the other ones, but I love um, the two for two, because I get to ask you and you get to ask me just two, you know, absolutely random questions um, that literally have nothing to do with education and everything to do about just forming a better connection. So um, without further ado, I'm going to jump in um, and I made okay. sure I made sure I found some extra special ones for you, Susanna. Oh, I don't know if I'm honored or scared. <laughs> As I twiddle my thumbs. All right. Um, if animals could talk, which animal would be the rudest? Uh, animals would talk. I feel like a llama. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. Now tell us why. I mean, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. They just kind of have that look when you're looking at them where it's just like, don't mess with me. I don't want to talk with you. I don't, it's just like, I have the ability to talk, but no, I, we're not playing this game today. So I, I feel like, yeah, llamas second, probably second level. Um, oh my gosh. I would probably say a sloth would probably be a really, really <laughs> one too. It's just like, you know, and I, I know Zootopia kind of like put a little joke on it as well, but I just feel like they'll smile at you, but they're really not going to say anything. It's like tree beard in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Um, your llama question, to be quite honest, I would say the llama because don't they spit? 
They do. And yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's like the epitome of rudeness right there. Well, there's that. And I don't know, llamas are just so strangely popular right now. Like you can go to, if you go to Target, like they're everywhere. You can't escape them. So it's just like, sadly, kind of like become the epitome of our generation. So I'm a little nervous in saying my answer because I feel like I have some friends <laughs> who to get me for that. That's funny. All right, your second question. Um, so imagine you are a student. Your English teacher is actually a witch. One day she gets tired of you not paying attention and zaps you into a novel. Which one would you hope to be zapped into and why? Oh gosh, man. Um, you know, I'm kind of a classic girl. Um, so I actually worked really, really hard when I was a kid to get to Narnia. Yes, yes. Like super, super Ooh. hard. So like, I, I swear, I was in like Grenada, Mississippi years and years and years ago when I was like nine years old. And like, I was like stretching out my arms in between every single tree I could, just like silver chair. Um, speaking of the talking animal thing, it's like I would actually go and I would like be at like a horse barn somewhere and just looking at these. A horse and his boy. Horse and his boy and I would just like whisper Aslan and I was just like see the horse's ears perk up and I'd be like, I knew it. I know you have. <laughs> so now I, I love, 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 love the Narnia books. I've read them all. Um, my oldest one, I read all of them to her when, before she was seven. Um, my two middle ones, we're reading the Chronicles of Narnia right now, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, and that's kind of my go-to, like when we have family movie nights, it's kind of like the, the joke, like, no, dad, we're not watching Narnia again. <laughs> but it's Liam Nielsen. You got to have a night with Liam Nielsen. That's like the only way to have a, like a good evening. And it's C.S. Lewis and C.S. Lewis, right? <laughs> you know, screw tape letters is one of my favorite books. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, who now we're just having members. We got to be careful with this conversation. Yeah. This we're nerding out. Sorry to any of my guests out there that don't share the love of uh, classic literature like Susanna and I, I apologize. We will divert from this we're so conversation. Sophisticated. Yes. yes. <laughs> As I drink my cup of tea. Um, so, Here okay. Miss, <laughs> Miss Susanna, uh, what <laughs> questions do you have for me? Okay, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I had to dig a little bit from my experiences. But um, so the first question I have is money is not an option, but what is your dream birthday party experience? Like if you know, and it can be childhood or adulthood, what's your dream birthday party experience? That is a really, really good one. Uh, dream birthday experience. Okay, I'm gonna go big. Okay, might as well. Um, so if I could do anything, I would hop on an airplane. And I would probably fly my family over to Sweden. Um, when I was in high school, we had an exchange student from Sweden, he actually just came back for our 20th high school reunion. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and spent a couple days with him. And he, um, Andreas, if you're listening, um, <laughs> he is a helicopter rescue diver guy. So he jumps out of helicopters, um, in the Baltic sea to rescue like sailors on sinking ships and stuff. 
Um, but I would love, love, love to take my girls to Sweden. Number one, to see him. Um, but number two, they have a Pippi Longstocking amusement park um, that I went to. Yeah. That Okay. Sorry, listeners. We're going to nerd out again on literature. But um, yes, they do. And it was so cool. And I would love to go there um, one more time. That's amazing. So Andreas, if you really are listening, like you've been chosen over Disney World <laughs> and like... <laughs> Listen, you know, we, Harry Potter world, all the things like that's amazing. We won't get into the fact that I think Disney is a grand conspiracy. We won't get into that. That's another episode. <laughs> no, well, I'll come back for uh, episode 30. Yeah, so please, be the- please, please. <laughs> all right. What's your next question? All right. So this one's a little bit more serious. So I feel kind of bad because you were a little lighthearted with uh, your right. two questions. But, you know, since this is I, I got you the light one. So we're going a little, little deeper here. Okay. So um, you have an opportunity, uh, you're standing at a wall and you get the offer to um, honor somebody that you've lost and leave something behind that you've chosen that you've decided to lay down and leave behind. Who's the person you honor and what are you choosing to leave behind? So that's pretty easy. Uh, my grandfather, uh, we affectionately called him Big John. Um, cause he was a six foot six Polak blue collar worker that worked at, um, an aluminum place his whole life. Um, probably, yeah, I pro- I miss him quite a bit because we had some really, 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 really good conversations. Um, he passed away from cancer. Um, I don't know, maybe four years ago, maybe five years ago now. Um, but it's really funny. My girls still talk about him. Um, but Amelia is four, so she never met him and, uh, uh, Hazel is six. And so she was only one at the time, but they talk about him. Like he's still here. Um, they talk about, yeah, they talk about how funny he was, which he was. They talked about how he cussed all the time, which he did, um, (laughs) Which he did. It might be where I get it. But um, if I could leave anything. So my grandma made me a little heart out of one of his sweat out of his um, jackets that he always wore. So I'd probably leave that at the wall for uh, Big John. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. If it makes you feel better. I also had a grandfather who also kind of like swore. So I mean, like that, I think you have to have that rite of passage. <laughs> yes. Yep. Cigars and curse words. That's what Big John was known for. There you go. Cigars, curse words, gambling, all the nine yards. You just go for it. (laughs) He he was a great Christian man. Great, great Christian man. And he was um, him and my grandma served at the homeless shelter about every Sunday for years and years and years. But uh, yeah, I'd love to know what he thought about all of this stuff going on. (laughs) That is amazing. I love it. Okay, great answers, both of them. Very exciting. And we have to like steal them away for other times. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, now that I know a little bit more about you and you know a little bit more about me, we are going to jump into uh, the stated purpose, uh, which is to connect the vision of one with the passion of another. Um, so hopefully someone out there in um, Twitter land We'll listen to this episode and we'll reach out to you and we'll want to jump on board to help you, um, you know, with whatever your big idea is. So um, before we get to the idea, though, we obviously have to talk about what the problem is. So what is that problem 
that your idea hopes to solve? Absolutely. Well, we stepped into a little bit into this territory. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I've recognized over my years is, you know, just recognizing that, you know, in the world of recovery, which, you know, is kind of similar in some ways into connects to the world of education is that, you know, I mean, you can't help but look at it. It's just like, you look at the education system. It's just like, I, I talk to teachers all the time and it's just like, it's so overrun. And I think even right now you can even say in the system of COVID where like, you know, education's had to go, you know, virtual. So you're actually seeing into um, students' homes and things like that. Um, you know, I've been talking to teachers, like they're in situations where um, there's so much, um, pain and there's so much toxicity around the care for kids um, you know you're not even sure if you can get like some support from child services or something like that it's just so overrun um, and then I think in our world in the world of recovery we're in this place where you know it turns into a big story of me, me, me.com. It's just like, oh, it's my arrest. It's my addiction. It's uh, my sentencing. It's my jail time. It's my time at the recovery station. So it's just me, me, me.com. And there's not a lot of conversation about the us involved. And it can be really, really hard for um, a young person who's, you know, had that um, experience of watching their hero um, being taken away in cuffs or, you know, I've had young people who they'll go to school and their entire house is in a dumpster uh, because the police did a ransack kind of experience. So um, there's just this real, real need for safety, especially emotional safety for our young people. Um, I think our education system is doing the best they can, but you know, they're overrun and they need our help. And um, one of the big questions I started asking is like, what is it as a layman or perhaps not professional um, teacher can do? Um, what can we do to start making those changes? So we started uh, my club, which is a mentoring program. It was a once a week program uh, for young people and their parents could either be in our adult program or they can also choose to just show up and we'll hang yeah. out. So it's yeah. like two, two and a half hours. Um, and we'll keep, we kept it simple. It's like an hour, hour, hour and a half of playtime. We would feed them, give them a hot home cooked meal. Um, we would spend maybe 15 minutes talking about our highs, talking about our lows for the week, like starting to talk about that emotional intelligence. And um, then we just like maybe start asking some pretty hard questions about um, stinking thinking and uh, what are some of the mindsets or concepts that we get stuck on or even like one of my favorite things to talk about is our filters like you know like you know how does your community your family your life experiences how do those change your perspectives so um, so that's where we kind of started that was where we started about six years ago but I also recognized probably about very shortly afterwards, I got to visit this amazing uh, camp out in uh, Rolla, Missouri, of all places, like out in the middle of Rolla, Missouri. But it was the focus for children and prisoners to have a full week of camp, and they just got to have a week of carefree childhood for just one week. And I sat there during this program, I was like, they're getting results over a couple of days time that would take me 
40 weeks with a student. So I was just like, okay, we got to get to know about this program. So I actually trained under them for a summer and uh, brought the program here to Southern Indiana. Um, we started my campus, Southern Indiana. So we have like this amazing thing where we're bringing the camp experience alongside the mentoring experience. Um, at the same time, also building connection with our local uh, school system as well as our justice system. So we were like building this like small community around um, young people's adverse childhood experiences and how to uh, work with their teachers, work with their parents, work with their, uh, even when necessary, their uh, social workers or um, somebody, you know, if they have to have a night in Julie or something like that, if they, you know, call up Reverend Jacobson, she's going to get this kids to set up straight. So um, that's kind of like the long, short, abbreviated version. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. And, and I'm going to take it back kind of to the education piece of that. Um, so my wife uh, was a frisky in the school's for a little mm -hmm. while so you know I, I and you know i was a principal and and i i was a i'm an assistant principal now so i see the effects of exactly what you're talking about <clears throat> every single day um <clears throat> in kentucky one out of five kids lives in poverty and there are only four states that have a higher child poverty rate in the united states than us um and i see those effects every single day and i'm a very, 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 very firm believer um, that if we don't take care of the SEL component of our kids, um, the other aspects, the academics is not going to happen. Um, so I love kind of, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, one thing I, one thing I know is that um, children in poverty have two times um, are two times more likely to have an A score of three or more. And students that have an A score of three or more are 32 times more likely to struggle academically. Um, so to me, it just makes sense for schools to partner with people like you. Um, because if we can do that and we can focus on those SELs and we can improve the SEL, social and emotional intelligence of those kids, um, it's my firm belief that the academics is going to follow. So, um, while I completely agree, I've got to hear your idea. So what is your big <laughs> ed idea for how we're going to do okay. that? Okay. Well, over the past few years, and we've been in this beautiful, um, experience of like, you know, we're in the starter thing, especially with the camp and such, because I love data and I'm just so ex excited that you like brought data and I'm going to throw a little bit more in your way too. So Kentucky in Indiana actually lead the country per capita for kids who've experienced a parent's incarceration. Oh, so we're number one and number two in the country. So like the national average is one out of 24. Uh, state of Kentucky is one out of 11. And um, Indiana is one out of 12. Um, so we're kind of like in this perfect opportunity to like, you know, really go at it. And, uh, you know, I've been looking for some research as to the why, and I, that's a whole other conversation. But one of the things that we've been learning about this camp experience is that when you invite a young person to camp um, and the way we handle it, it's kind of like a Mr. Rogers style system, but everything has very specifically been put in place to 
transition from an ACE experience to a positive childhood experience? What are those seven things that a young person needs to become a successful adult? And it's things like, you know, feeling cared for, having an adult who's listening to them. You know, if they they come to camp and we have all of their, um, you know, cleaning supplies for themselves or all of their uh, um, all their soaps, shampoos, blankets, things like that. We take care of all of it. So it's like, it doesn't even matter if you show up with a dirty bag of laundry, you know, we're going to take gonna care wash of it. <laughs> we're going to wash it. We're going to take care of all of that. Uh, we'll celebrate your birthday, which is why I asked the birthday question. And uh, just also opening as many doors as we can to create positive experiences. So kind of the fun thing for right now is, uh, it's absolutely brilliant because over the past few years, we started with 32 kids who got to join our program our first year, three years ago. Last year, we served 86. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, this year kind of has me a little nervous because we might be in a place where uh, we're going to run out of room because <laughs> people are finding out about us. That's a good but problem. It's a good problem, but it's hard for me because, like, you know, I hate putting people on a waiting list, yeah. but you got to give them the best you can. Yeah. Um, but the big idea is like what I really would love to see is like what does it look like with not only um, a camp that runs all summer long to, you know, give these kids as many kids as possible during the summer season and the um, break season. But what does it also look like when you start looking at your campers and rec recognizing, okay, who needs a little bit more care? and creating this environment of like, okay, in the after season, you know, let's have that, um, you know, cottage school, let's have the dude ranch and the girls ranch, and let's give these 14 year olds, 15 year olds who may not be thriving in their environment, give them a place where they have a safe, clean, uh, emotionally safe, physically safe environment. Let's give them a place where they can start learning, you know, white collar, blue collar style, tools and systems like a processor of sorts, I think uh, is kind of like the local college we have in the area. And what does it start looking like to really give them that chance to start, uh, you know, looking outside their environment to start taking care of themselves. So that's kind of like my big thing is just like, I would, what would it look like if we had almost in a sense a city of refuge for these young people who, uh, who desperately need not even their second chance, but just like their first chance yeah. Um, yeah. in life. That sounds very um, eerily similar to the Milton Hershey School um, mm -hmm. out in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you um, or any of my listeners were able to listen to that episode uh, with David Knott, um, but the Milton Hershey School is a school financed by Hershey's Chocolate, um, and it's been around <laughs> since 1907. And it started out as an orphanage, and now it is a residential school uh, for low-income youth. And literally, and I didn't know this, they live there from preschool until, wow. well, yeah, until 12th grade. And they are taught like um, literature, fine arts, music. Um, they are giving, like, like kind of like you said, they're taken out of that environment, um, and put into an environment where they are most likely to succeed. And I think what you're saying is like, what if our communities had little refuges like this? Um, 
yeah, my wife and I, again, you know, I talk to my wife all the time, but um, we had this dream at one time of opening in our own school here in Henderson. Um, we wanted to make it a residential school because as an educator, I get six or seven hours with my kids and they are doing wonderfully. I can talk to them. I can talk them through things. I can talk them off a ledge. Um, we, <laughs> we do all the time. They can come into my room. They can cuss. They can rant. They can rave. And I can send them back in the class and they do great. But what scares me at the end of the day is when they go home. And especially when they go home for the weekend, you never know what type of kid you're going to have when they come back. Um, right. So I like what you're saying as a, I think you said a, a refuge for these kids. So I, I love that idea. <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, you know, and what you're saying, especially about like when you send a young person home, I mean, like, it, we, you know, there's no such thing as like, I'm the type of person who believes there's no such thing as a bad person. Like, you know, you hear stories of what um, some of these young people have gone through and, um, you know, you're kind of like, what type of adult would allow that sort of thing to happen? And you just like have to remember the exact same adults came from a kid environment that you're talking to right now. So it's like you, you don't really know those kind of backgrounds. And I know that there's a lot of like exhausted single parents out there. I know that there's like so many aunts and uncles who are trying to like push through and try to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I also have like so many grandparents who are oh, trying to- Great grandparents. Amazing, you know, and they're trying to do so much, but they're doing it with less resources, less energy, um, you know, and in some cases, maybe even like not even facing their own trauma themselves that might've enabled the previous generation. So um, that's also another key part component of what we do is like, how do we start taking care of our guardians and how do we take care of our parents so um, our kids can get the best at home when we're not there? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, <laughs> I love the concept. I absolutely love the concept. And, I, and, and I, what I like about it, it kind of goes with, um, you know, to be a really successful school, you have to have some really good community partnerships. And uh, just imagine if schools were able to send you a list of kids that they knew uh, needed some extra help. And then, you know, your refuge um, was able to take them after school. And, you know, your school would know that they were going into a place of safety, even if it was only for three or four hours a day. Um, it would help to fill that gap. Right. And we've actually been really blessed over the past few weeks or so. Like we've been talking to a couple of local partners who, you know, they're running adult education programs. And they were like, what would it look like if like, while our parents are seeking their GEDs, you know, you take the kids for a couple Perfect. of hours. So, um, you know, we've also been very blessed with uh, partnerships with uh, um, Indiana uh, mentoring programs who actually help with homework help and education like I can talk to you all day about your trauma and I can probably read your emotions like a book you give me eighth grade geometry I'm probably going to get a little <laughs> stuck so I'm going to find someone else who's better at that before I send you down the wrong path <laughs> I love it I love it um, I love it because as an educator um, I truly believe that God put me in this place and I would say there are a lot of people out there 
um, that believe, you know, what we do within the walls of the school, we are literally changing kids' lives. Um, and so what I love to see is that there are people um, that believe just like us. And I wholeheartedly believe that in your heart, um, that is exactly what you believe. And that's what you're working towards. And as an educator that um, just yesterday, well, one of my students texted me this morning at 1 a.m. Um, it's her and dad. She's 17. Dad is an addict um, waiting to go back to jail. He got fired from his job. So she's been working 40 hours a week at a local subway through all of this COVID just to make the bills. Um, broke down in my office several months, several weeks ago when she learned we had to go back to school four days a week because that's less time for her to work. Um, mm -hmm. She was painting houses in the morning, working at Subway in the afternoon. And um, we gave her the option of remoting into school. Um, but we did that because we knew that's what she needed. And, and I see kids like this every single day and we can only do so much within the building. And it's, it's, it's very comforting to know that there's people like you out there that are willing to do what we can't do. Um, we would, we, we could, um, and we would love to partner with you. Um, and I would love to sit on a board of, of something similar to this. So if anybody in Henderson is listening, um, this is an awesome opportunity and, and it needs to get done. So um, Susanna, is there anything else that you want to talk about your idea prior to us um, starting to, I guess, wind down? Um, you know, nothing really comes to mind. I think like the biggest thing is that, um, you, you know, I think the biggest part is that, you know, we brought out the faith quite a bit a few times. And I think another strong opponent that we bring to the table is that, you know, um, you know, we try not to preach to anyone. We you know we don't believe in Bible band-aids and I actually work very hard with my volunteers of like, if you think you're going to be coming to hang out with me to give a Bible study, you're not going to survive very long with me. Um, so it's just like, and uh, I'll trigger you. I will have absolutely no problem pushing all your buttons to make sure that you are okay with absolutely everything comes in. Cause like, um, you know, our, our job is like into more or less like attempt to be the heart and try to be the soft place to land. But like, you know, if you're here to, you know, you can come in with judgment because you don't know the situation that a young person is going to. And um, they'll throw every single situation that they can at you, anything that makes them feel powerful, um, every vice or virtue that they have accessible. And if you are not capable, strong enough to pull the punches and take the blows, then, um, you know, you're going to have a really hard time. Um, you know, doing the God thing, which is like, you know, Jesus just kind of like didn't bring judgment. He like sat, he listened, he cried. Um, and that's the kind of gospel we preach around here. So, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that's very, very clear is that there is no condemnation with us. You have to come and hang out um, and be Jesus rather than just like talk scripture. That's important, but you know, that's secondary to us. And I love that so extremely much. Oh, so um, if there is anybody um, in the New Albany and Louisville area um, or any of my friends that might be on uh, Interstate 64 rolling through the area or 65 <laughs> rolling through the area and, you know, they just 
maybe they want to volunteer. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a school group or something they want to volunteer or um, maybe somebody wants to shoot you some cash. Um, how can they get a hold of you? All right. Well, um, you can go to our website, which is noonerecoversalone.org, and that'll have all of the information about um, all the various things that we do within the community. Um, you can also use mycampsoin.org as a chance to get to the website. Um, now, we are a couple of months away from um, camp season itself right now. So, of course, like it's that really fun opportunity of like if you if COVID has broke all your plans going overseas this year, I will definitely invite you to come and hang out with me and uh, um, enjoy changing a life. Cause like talk is great, but action's better. So if you're um, excited about like changing a young person's life and giving them the best week of their, of their year, something that they're like looking forward to just come hang out. Um, and as far as funding goes, I'm, you know, I'll just throw it out. One of the wonderful things that we've been blessed is, is that we know the cost of incarceration and substance addiction. So we don't charge anyone to use the camp or the mentoring program. So um, it's completely taken care of by grants and sponsors. So um, if anyone would like to sponsor a camper, you know, definitely check out the site. We'll definitely get you hooked up and you'll get a wonderful story and a picture of a young person you got to help uh, change your life for. So um, either in all things are great. So uh, even if you just wanna come hang out and uh, you know help with the princess party and make sure that these uh, young ladies and young men have a chance to really have a good time. Can I dress up as a princess? I would let you, I've let it happen before. <laughs> I am a girl dad, so I've done it before. Um, what are the dates for your camp? Absolutely. Well, um, our first week, we're actually going to be having our leadership camp coming up, uh, which is something for older kids. That's June 28th through the 2nd. Boys Week is going to be following the week afterwards, starting on June, uh, July the 5th. And then Girls Week will be um, the week afterwards. So we only have three weeks so far, but we're continuing to grow. And I'm kind of hoping, crossing fingers, we get week four next year. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I'll be honest, I, this is something I would love to volunteer for sometime. Um, this summer, I probably cannot. Um, I have been going to the same church camp for 25 years with the same, wow. group of, yeah, with the same group of people in Santa Claus, Indiana, um, at Santa Claus United Methodist church camp. Um, and we have grown up together. My girls have grown up there. Um, so I am booked this year. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray about it a lot and I'm going to think about it a lot. Cause I think this could absolutely be something up my alley. Well, I mean, I'd be happy to have you this year. We're doing actually kind of Narnia game of Thrones. Oh, kind of like man. This year. You're reeling me yeah. in. I know, I know, but we're, I, I'm, they're talking me into like Harry Potter, Star Wars over the next few years as well. So, I mean, like, it's there, it's going to happen. Right <laughs> I'll on. get you eventually. Right on, sister. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will. Um, so as we close, um, I just want to tell you thank you um, from the bottom of my heart for serving um, a population that is very near and dear to me. Um, the other day in the gym, I was sitting around, well, I wasn't sitting around cause I was at the gym, but I was thinking, um, and I have personally lost, um, six friends or, um, 
relatives to suicide or overdose. Um, and if my life had not changed drastically in the times that at, at 22, 23, 24, um, I'm not quite sure. Um, well, I know I would not be where I am. And so I am very adamant that everyone deserves a second chance and we should not judge somebody by where they are at now because we don't know where they were. Um, and if you give them the chance, we can help them to get somewhere different. So thank you for that. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your actions. Um, my sincere hope is that somebody reaches out to you and you get um, some more boots on the ground uh, to help those kids. So thank you. Well, thank you, sir. And thank you for, there is, next to helping people, there's nothing more exciting to me than just like people connecting and sparking ideas. So I was just even just excited to be part of this community group of, you know, um, uh, just amazing game changers out there. So thanks for putting this all together. It's really exciting to take part of it. Yeah, and I would, uh, I would say world changers. <laughs> I'll take that. That's even better. Level it up. It's That's exactly like... right. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. To my uh, listeners out in the edgesphere, thank you so very much for sticking around uh, this evening. Um, you are amazing and you are valued. And please reach out if there's ever anything that I can do for you. So tonight I'm going to leave you with another quote on dreaming. A man is not old until regrets take the place of dreams. And mm -hmm. so for that, have a wonderful evening. And I'll see you next time on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.